teaching on the Feast of Shabbat. Some of these scriptures will sound very, very familiar with you today. I think David did an excellent uh, reading of the Torah in his commentary. I'll touch on some of those verses, but not it won't be verbatim exactly what David shared today. The Feast of Shavuot, and this is the year of the Lord of 2023. Shavuot is one of the three religim. They are the pilgrim festivals. When every Jewish male goes up to Yerushalayim, the others are Matzah, which is during the time of Pesach, and also Sukkot. The name Shavuot comes from Exodus chapter 34 and verse 22. If you'd like to turn with me quickly, Exodus chapter 34 and verse 32. And here we, here we are. Observe the festival of Shavuot with the first gathered produce of the wheat harvest and the festival of ingathering at the turn of the year. And so that was the instructions that the Lord gave to the children of Israel through Moses. Now continuing now to Deuteronomy chapter 16 verses 9 and 10. Deuteronomy chapter 16 verses 9 and 10. Deut Deuteronomy chapter 16 verses 9 and 10. You are to count seven weeks. You are to begin counting the seven weeks from the time you first put your sickle in the standing grain. Now at that time, the first harvest of the year was the barley harvest. You are to observe the festival of Shavuot weeks for Adonai your God with a voluntary offering which you are to give in accordance with the decree to which Adonai your God has prospered you. See, this was all about trusting the Lord for what he's doing in their lives. And now over to Leviticus chapter 23, verses 15 and 16. Leviticus chapter 23, verses 15 and 16. From the day after the day of rest, that is from a day you bring the sheep for waving, you are to count seven full weeks until the day after the seventh weeks. You are to count 50 days. Then you are to present a new grain offering to Adonai. And this was the wheat offering that was given at that time. So these are both first fruits of two harvests. And there was to be a latter harvest because there was a time of waiting through the summer, this is the last of the holy days, the first three. The latter three will be fulfilled in Messiah are the fall feasts, which is Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and then Sukkot. And the time of Sukkot, that's when the fall harvest of all the produce of the land, that they were to bring the first fruits there to give offerings and show that God's provision was yes and amen. And so with this, we determine that the festivals is to be seven weeks after the start of Pesach. The Bible also says that you shall number 50 days. Hence, 
In the Brit Hadashah, the Greek name for the holy day is Pentecostus, which is Pentecost, which means 50. It is usually transliterated into English as Pentecost. Two other names of the festivals are also found in the Tanakh. The Day of First Fruits, Bemidbar Numbers 28-26, and Kag HaKeritzi, the Feast of the Harvest, Shemot Exodus 23-16. On Shavuot, the first fruits of the wheat harvest were to be presented to Adonai in the temple. The offering consisted of what? Two loaves of bread. And what do we have with us today? We have two loaves of bread here that, that we're bringing before the Lord. Praise be unto God. And so with this, we see that besides it's a primary agricultural significance, Shavuot later became to be understood as a Cameroonian of also the season of receiving the Torah through Moshe. And with this, we see in the book of Exodus chapter 19, it says that the Israelites came to the foot of the Mount Sinai. If you remember, in our responsive readings, that was one of the readings that we gave today. In the third month, in that third season, from this other biblical data, the rabbis decided that God had actually given the Torah near the time of Shavuot, or it's in its season. And so, thus, each of these pilgrim feasts was associated with a major religious theme. Pesach, celebrating the exodus from Egypt, has creation as its theme, the creation of the Jewish people. The theme of Shavuot is revelation, God revealing his way that they were to be as a people and how they were to interact with him. The theme of Sukkot, associated with 40 years of wandering, culminated in the entering of the promised land. And that is the time of redemption. Because we have to remember, this earth is not our permanent home. We are sojourners, just like our father Abraham. We're going to a place, a city that was literally made by the hands of God. And when Yeshua gave that promise to his Talmudim, he said, don't worry, I'm coming back for you. I'm going to my father. And I'm there to prepare a place for you. And when I come back, I will receive you unto myself, and therefore evermore you shall be with me. That's part of God's redemption plan. So these three themes, creation, revelation, redemption, reappear in other aspects of Jewish life. For example, there are three meals of the Shabbat. The three chief areas in which God manifests his nature and his power are alluded to in creation, which is from him, revelation, which is through him, and redemption, which is to him. See, we're redeemed for God's pleasure so we can honor him, not only with our lives here on earth, but throughout all eternity. Praise be to God. Because Shavuot recalls God's revelation of himself, his power, and his Torah to the Jewish people, the synagogue readings for this holiday include what? But Shemot, Exodus chapters 19 and 20, which records Moses' ascent of Mount Sinai and the receiving of the Ten Commandments, and two passages celebrating other theophanies or appearances of God are found in Ezekiel chapter 1 and 2, and also Habakkuk 
chapter 3, which David shared with us today. And I appreciate that, David. Also is read during this time is the book of Ruth, all four chapters. And it's appropriate because it is a story of the harvest. But in addition to this, since it tells about the joining of a Moabite woman who represents the nations, Ruth to God's people, it gives a remez, a hint, to what God was going to do in the future. And about then the future aspect of God's work here on earth, of doing what? Joining both Jews and Gentiles to be one in Messiah. So continuing here. Shavuot, in, its, in this framework of Jewish thought and custom, in which Shavuot is celebrated as a festival of harvest and the Torah, that the two events are recorded in Acts chapter 2, must be understood because it was God's intention to bring the Jewish new covenant. In Jeremiah 31, 30 through 33, it says this, and let's turn there now. That's Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 31. And this is what it says. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says Adonai. I will put my Torah within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will any of them teach his fellow community member or his brother. No, Adonai, for all will know me, from the least of them to the greatest, because I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. This is what Adonai says, who gives the sun as a light for the day, who ordained the laws for the moon and the stars, to provide light for the night, who stirs up the sea until its waves roar. Adonai Zavaot is his name, the Lord of hosts. If these laws leave my presence, says Adonai, then the offspring of Israel will stop being a nation in my presence forever. And this is what Adonai says. If the sky above can be measured and the foundations of the earth can be fathomed, then I will reject all the offspring of Israel for all that they have done, says Adonai. And so what it says here, look, the days are coming, says Adonai, when the city will be rebuilt for Adonai from the tower of Haniel to the corner gate. The measuring line will be stretched from the strait to the Grave Hill and towards Goa, and the whole valley of corpses and ashes, including the fields as far as Avadi Kedron, on the corner of the house of the gate, the horse gate, to the east, will be separated out for Adonai, and it will never be uprooted or destroyed again. And think about that. God has reestablished his Jewish people in their land yet again, and they shall never be uprooted from it. This is God's promise, and it's yes and amen. So those who believe in replacement theology, this rebukes everything that you teach. Because God has not removed the stars and the sun. He has not removed them at this time. And so Israel remains as a nation, and God's covenant with them is everlasting. Praise be unto God. So continuing here. So God desired to, to speak to Jewish people in a Jewish way. He made the maximal use of the Jewish festivals to convey new truths 
ways that emphasize our connection with all truths. Now let us turn quickly to Matthew chapter 13, verse 23. And for some of you, these verses are, are like a mystery that maybe you've never read before. And to see the correlation between what's going on. So we're in Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to be looking at one verse here, which is a very important verse. It is verse uh, number 52. Matthew 13, verse 52, and this is what it says here. And who is speaking? Yeshua is speaking to his Talmudim. And this is what he said. He said to them, So then every Torah teacher who has been made into a Talmud, that is made into one of his disciples, for the kingdom of heaven, is like the owner of a home who brings out of his storage room both new things and old things. And so there's our proof text there about the Lord bringing things that he spoke through the prophets. Though my people have a veil over their eyes, but once the veil's removed, then they see God's plan clearly, and they see Yeshua for he is, and they can receive him then as their Messiah. Continuing here. Thus God promised through Jeremiah, I will write my Torah on their hearts. This he does as he gives his Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, David read earlier to us, and so we won't read that right now. The same God gives both the Torah and the Spirit, which thus are in sense one on the same holiday, holy day season. Shavuot to the same people, the Jewish people, stretching throughout all history from the fire on Mount Sinai to the tongues of fire in Jerusalem, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Continuing, Yeshua himself is called the first fruits. Let's look at that verse. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're at verse 23. And this is what it says here according to God's holy word. But in, in his own order, the Messiah is the first fruits. Then those who belong to Messiah, do you belong to Messiah today? Then you're his first fruits. At the time of his coming, then the culmination, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after having put an end to every rulership, yes, to every authority and to every power, and continuing, for he has to rule until he puts all his enemies under his feet. Praise be unto God. Now let us look closely right next door at Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. And this is what it says here. Because those who he knew in advance. Think about that. The Lord knew your name even before he created the heavens and earth. Because those whom he knew in advance, he also determined in advance, would be conformed to the pattern of his son. So think about that. That's a promise to every person who has received Messiah. And this is the work of God. He's conforming you to the pattern of his son. Through whom? The Ruach HaKodesh the third part of the, the Godhead. 
so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So continuing here. So this speaks of a harvest of people with prepared hearts. Let's now look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 37. And this is what it says here. Then he said, who's speaking here, but Yeshua to his Talmudim, that's his disciples, the harvest is rich, but the workers are few. So he's telling us to what we're supposed to be doing. And he speaks now of that harvest, that great harvest here. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out workers to gather in his harvest. Who are the workers? You and I. If we're truly about our father's business, we should be proclaiming the good news to this lost and dying world, to the Jew first and also to the nations. So let us continue. Later in the present chapter in Acts chapter 2 verses 41 through 3, it declares that 3,000 people came to, became the first fruits of the Spirit. They were empowered with activity and they were Yeshua's Talmudim. And so now let us look to Romans chapter 8, verse 23. Rabbi, we were just there. That's right. Let's go back. Romans chapter 8 and verse 23. And this is what the word of God declares here. 8 and 23. I'll back up to 22. We know that until now the whole creation has been groaning as with pains of childbirth. And not only it, but we ourselves who who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we continue waiting eagerly to be made sons, that is, to have our whole bodies redeemed and set free. See, our guaranteed salvation in God is sealed. But those of us who are now living on this earth, we haven't received the full re redemption of our bodies. Some of us receive that at the moment of death where we go in the presence of soul and the spirit. Our bodies are planted in the ground by faith because in the hope of the resurrection when Yeshua comes back for his bride and those that are buried shall rise up first and they'll receive their glorified bodies. The redemption of God is complete in their lives and they will ascend to be with Yeshua and those who are alive at that time the scripture goes on to say they will be transformed in a twinkling of an eye. They shall also be changed. Their redemption of their little bodies will be transformed. And they will send to be with the Messiah forevermore. That's all in the promise. And Shavuot, just like all the feasts of the Lord, are but types and shadows to point to whom? Yeshua, who is the bread of life. Praise be to God. So now let us continue here. Yeshua spoke of himself as bread. Let's now look closely to the book of John, chapter 6 and verse 35. John 6 and 35. And this is what the word of the Lord declares here. Yeshua answered, I am the bread which is life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever trusts in me will never be thirsty. His words are yes and amen. Now, here's a comparison. Since unleavened stuff 
which is Hametz, symbolizes sin in the Tanakh, Yeshua represented himself as a sinless by using unleavened bread, matzah, to inaugurate the Brit Hadashah, the new covenant. The Shavuot bread offering is made with what? With leaven, which symbolizes God's people as having sinned before Yeshua's atoning death. Later, Shaul writes that the Messianic community in Corinth, that it, in reality you are unleavened. For a Pesach lamb, the Messiah has been sacrificed. And so the two loaves that are here being represented, this offering can now be understood as representing God's expanded people, comprised of what? Both Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah. Now let us turn quickly to John chapter 10, verse 16. Thankfully, we're in the same book here. 10 and verse 16. This is what it says here. Yeshua is speaking. He says this, I have other sheep. Who was he sent to but the lost sheep of the house of Israel? But now he's interjecting. He's saying this to them. Here's brand news, new news for you guys. I also have other sheep which are not from this pen. They're not from the house of Israel. I need to bring them. They will hear my voice and there will be, will be what? One flock and one shepherd. So here he's speaking to them before his death and resurrection that this was going to come about. That the Jewish people were to be a light to the nations. Only when they shared the one who is the light to the world was Messiah Yeshua. And we see that those Talmudim, when they received the Ruach that day on Shavuot, they went forth from that day forward to proclaim the true light of the world that shine out from among them. So let us continue here. Praise be unto God. Now let us look to Romans chapter 11 and verse 17. We're not too far from there. Romans chapter 11 and verse 17. Praise be unto God. His word is yes and amen and it is true. Romans 11 and verse 17. But if some of the branches were broken off and you a wild olive. So Rav Shaul is speaking to those who have been grafted in. We're grafted in among them that have become equal shares in the rich root of the olive tree. Then don't boast as if you were better than the branches. However, if you do boast, remember that you are not supporting the root, that the, support, the root is supporting you. So you will say branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. True, but so what? They were broken off because of their lack of trust. However, you keep your place only because of your trust. So don't be arrogant. On the contrary, be terrified. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he, should not, he certainly won't spare you. So take a good look at God's kindness and his severity. At one hand, severity to those who fell off, but on the other hand, God's kindness towards you provided, that's like a but, provided you maintain yourself in what? That kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. Who's speaking here? The apostle Rav Shaul, who's filled with the Ruach, warning those who were grafted in to walk in kindness and love towards those who have a veil over their eyes. Moreover, the others... If you do not 
persists in their lack of trust will be grafted in because God is able to graft them back in. For if you were cut out of what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted in contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these natural branches be grafted in into their own olive tree? For brothers, I want you to understand this truth, which God formerly concealed, see, a mystery, but is now revealed so that you won't imagine you know more than you actually do. It is that stoniness to a degree has come upon Israel until when? Until Gentile world enters its fullness. See, God has a number of those from the nations. He only knows that number. And what we're to be busy about, proclaiming the good news to the Jew first and to the nations. Continuing here, until the Gentile world enters its fullness, and that is in this way that all Israel will be saved. As the Tanakh says, out of Zion will come the Redeemer. He will turn away ungodliness from Yaakov, and this will be my covenant with them, and I will take away their sins. That's pretty self-explanatory, is it not? Absolutely. Now go into Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. And this is what it says here. Galatians 3.28. For in union with Messiah, you were all children of God. Hear that? Both Jews and Gentiles were all children of God. Through this trusting faithfulness. Is that not a good word? Because as many of you were immersed into Messiah, have been closed yourself with Messiah, in whom there is what? Neither Jew or Gentile neither slave nor free man, neither male nor female. For in union with Messiah, Yeshua, you are all one. Also, if you belong to Messiah, you are, are the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. So never think yourselves who have been grafted into the nations, into to Israel from the nations, that you're a second-class citizen. What does God's word say? God loves you. God ordained who you were to be born, of what nation, how you grew up, God ordained it. But along the journey, the Lord revealed himself to you. By the manifestation of the Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of living God. So you could know God for who he is and the promise of his son. And you've gone through the process of being grafted in. God enjoys who you are in him as we're being conformed in the image of his son. To all of you who are Gentiles who try to be super Torah observant, you're on the wrong path. It's all about Yeshua. It's his righteousness, not your being Torah observant that has brought you into the kingdom. It's only by the grace and mercy of God. That's why none of us can declare of our own righteousness, I earn salvation. It's a free gift. So stop playing the game that Hasatan wants you to play. You've been grafted in. You're a co-heir. You're an equal. 
Satan wants you to walk down that, that, that path of destruction. Because some have gone so far on that path that they've denied Yeshua. Because they become so Torah observant. And that's a path that leads to destruction. Because if you walk down that path, you are literally rejecting Yeshua as your Messiah. And the work that he's done. He is your, he, he is your eternal high priest. You cannot earn or buy your salvation. It's a free gift. So walk in that freedom. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let us continue. Now, the book of Ruth points up a lesson not to be ignored. Ruth, a Moabitess, was added to the Jewish people with her noble confession, what we shared earlier when we did the responsive reading. Your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. Ruth 1.16. This woman who became the ancestor of Yeshua, found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, expressed her loyalty to the Jewish people even before she spoke of God. But over the centuries, many calling themselves to be Christians have done just the opposite, hating Jews and accusing them of deicide, ignoring the New Testament's warning not to boast against the Jewish root, as we read early in Romans chapter 11, verses 16 through 26. The book of Acts shows that Gentiles may now become part of God's people without becoming Jews themselves. What'd you say, Rabbi? The Bible teaches in the book of Acts and shows that Gentiles may be, now become part of God's people without becoming Jews themselves. But no Gentile can become a Christian if he cannot say to Jews, you, are, you shall be my people. At the same time, he says, now, God, you shall be my God. You cannot reject the Jewish people and receive the God that is being revealed through them. Continuing. It is no accident that God chose the holiday, this holy day, connected with the Torah to send the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, to empower the life of each and every disciple, to empower the entire Messianic community. More than that, Israel has kept the Sabbath. Shabbat has kept Israel, implies that its power of the Torah, which has preserved the Jewish people up through this day, through the centuries. What does Hasatan want to do? He wants to destroy God's revelation that there is a God that's living. And what is that revelation? There is a Jewish people. He's brought them back into the land after 2,000 years of separation, and he's holding them by the hand. Even though the majority of Jewish people are agnostic or atheist, he said, I'd bring them back in unbelief. That's part of his promise. Continuing here. One need only to compare Kepha's, Peter's own infect ineffectiveness prior to receiving the Ruach HaKodesh. And I'll have you look up these verses at another time. Matthew 16, verses 21 through 23. Matthew 26, 69 through 75. And John 21, 15 through 17. With the inspiring sermon quoted in Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 40. Just as the Torah, the Hebrew word means teaching, not law. 
teaches God's truth so that the Holy Spirit also teaches God's truth. How do we know this? John 14, 26. Chapter 15, verse 26. 16, 13. The truth of the Torah set forth in the Tanakh is no different from the Torah that was set forth in the New Testament. The Messiah's Torah is not different from or an improvement on God's Torah in the Tanakh. For the Torah of Adonai is perfect. Where is that declared? But in Psalms 19.7. And does not need improvement. Shaul, the Apostle Paul, calls it holy, just and good. Where do we find that? Romans 7.12. What more can one ask? What different is its receptiveness of those whom the Torah is meant? To having a new spirit and a new heart of flesh. Ezekiel chapter 36, 26, on which the Torah was written. Jeremiah 31, 32. A heart receptive to the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, 14. Thus the Holy Spirit in the believer's life makes the Torah even more real to him. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. And the giving of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit on Shabbat, only heightens the significance of giving the Torah on Shabbat. Parallels between Sinai and Pentecost. At both the Torah was delivered to God's people. At Sinai, the Ten Commandments were written on tablets of stone by what? The very finger of God. Shemot Exodus 31.18. While at Pentecost, Shabbat, Torah was written on tablets of the heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. In fulfillment of prophecies, Jeremiah 31, 32, and Ezekiel 36, 26. Far from replacing or canceling or contradicting the Torah of Moses, the Holy Spirit confirms it for the Messianic believers, Romans 3, 31. Both took place at the time, the season of Shavuot. Both were accompanied by theophanies, the appearance of the God. In Acts chapter 2, it was a Ruach. Both were accompanied by many languages, voices and tongues, Acts 2.4. Both were accompanied by fire. The fire at Sinai was, was, was a visible fire seen by all. The fire at Jerusalem divided itself and rested upon each individual. Thus at Sinai, the Torah was given externally to the people as a whole, while in Jerusalem, the Torah was put within each individual believer. At Sinai, mixed multitudes, Shemot Exodus chapter 12, 38, accompanied people, just as Jewish people from all many countries were present there at Shavuot Pentecost, Acts 2, verses 8 through 11. Torah means teaching. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. How to interpret Torah. Yeshua gave the demonstration therein. Continuing here. That's proof texts are, are John chapter 14, verse 26, 15, 26, and 16, 13. It's customary, customarily in the Jewish celebration of Shavuot to eat milk foods. And so today we have challah bread. I brought cheeses and I also brought uh, fruits for us to celebrate. We also have water to drink today in celebrating this. And so this represented of the, the milk or the cheese 
is the milk of God's word found in 1 Kepha 2.2 in Messianic Jews 5, 12 through 13. How do we know that Torah came from Jerusalem as well as from Mount Sinai? Several Tanakh prophecies confirm it. Best known is Yeshiahu, which is Isaiah 2.3. For out of Zion shall come forth, what? The Torah. And the word of Adonai, where? From Jerusalem. Pentecost Shavuot fulfilled this prophecy in a very powerful way. Now in closing, because Shavuot commemorates the giving of the Torah, it is sometimes thought as the day in which Judaism was born. Likewise, because God gave the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, to his people on Shavuot, it is sometimes regarded also as the birthday of the Messianic community. But one could equally think of Pesach as the birth of the nation for Jews. At the time of the first Passover, similarly, it can be argued that the Messianic community too became into being on Pesach, since that is when Yeshua died and he was resurrected. And we as a Messianic community have died and been resurrected with him. Let's turn to this last scripture here. It is Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And we'll begin at verse number 1. Thank you for your time and your patience. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So then, are we to say, let's keep on sinning so that there can be more grace? Heaven forbid. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Don't you know that those of us who have been immersed into Messiah Yeshua have been immersed into his death? Through immersion into the, his death, we were buried with him, so that just as through the glory of the Father, the Messiah was raised from the dead, likewise we too might live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, we will also be united with him in the resurrection like his. So think about that, that day and that moment when we receive our brand new resurrected bodies our transformed bodies. We know that our old self was put to death on the execution stake, the cross, with him, so that the, so that the entire body of our spiritual, our sinful uh, propentencies might be destroyed. We might no longer be enslaved to what? Sin. That's right. For someone who has just died has been cleared from sin. Now since we died with Messiah, we trust that we will also live with him. Is that not a good word? Praise be unto God. Hatzameach Shavuot, Shabbat Shalom.